So what's going down? Dude, I'm still sick. No. Yo. No way. You don't sound sick at all. What's that sexy Phoebe voice? <coughs> well, it's been a pretty rough week over here. I'm sorry. We've I haven't heard been, much from you. We've all been pretty sick. I'll be honest. I just feel like a spork in the silverware of life. I feel that. <laughs> what did you guys get the head cold that's going around too? My wife's had it probably for about a week and a half now. Um, now. I'm on two weeks. I feel her like all in the face, the head. God, and she's pregnant on top of it. Poor baby. She's she's pretty much wiped out. I couldn't imagine. She, it was funny. She was telling telling me that uh, she was out and about today. She is getting some stuff. She was getting some stuff done. I, yeah, yeah, she's like sickness be damned. I'm momming it up. So <laughs> so she was out and about. She was like, oh wow. I had two hours and 30 minutes of uh, fat burn and my, my uh, heart rate got up to 107. I was like, I get up to 107 in my sleep. Right. <coughs> God, I'm so sorry. I coughed right in your ear. It's all right. It wasn't that loud. Okay. It wasn't too loud. Did the kiddo get the sickness? I hope not. She had it one, like, like she had a runny nose for a few days and then she had a day where she didn't move at all. And yeah. that's when, when, when Mabel stops moving and talking constantly, that's when you take notice because mm-hmm. there's, mm-hmm. there's danger lurking there. It's You're either like somebody's wrong. danger for her or danger for somebody else if she's quiet. So, so yeah, but she seems to be doing pretty well. She's still tired. Like today we had a family date breakfast this morning. Aww. So, so we went and had it and then we, I was like, I was like, I don't feel good because I was supposed to work today. Um, oh, actually, I'm supposed to work every day, but you know, I just like notified my boss and the other people I needed to notify. I'm not going to be working this morning, but I'll sign on in the afternoon. And then I went to bed. And this was probably nine. No, it was about eight. And then I ended up sleeping till like one o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't feel good. So. So I kind of dragged my butt around and then finally got into work. And it was good I did because shit was going sideways. Yeah, my kid got it. I think she gave it to us. And mm-hmm. hers turned into a sinus infection. Where did you get your child's name from? Persephone? Yes. Greek mythology. Okay, that's what I thought. Why? I, I can read. Um <laughs> Because in Greek mythology, Persephone is what basically responsible for the changing of seasons. Um, for those of you who don't know, I just sound like a total fucking nerd right now. You I'm do. such a fucking nerd. Anyway, it occurred to me that she would be the biggest change that I would see in my life. And that sounded like a neat name. So, I have a friend that calls her daughter Lucifer. <laughs> That's so different from what I did. And, and, and now, so, so basically I, I saw that and I was like, wow, is that her middle name or first name? I was like, I know what you're saying. No, no, that's why there was more thought put in, probably more thought than was that. There was more thought put into her name than her creation. Can I just be very, like she was planned, but not real well. I have no idea. (laughs) I plan to get trashed. And this is the result. <laughs> no, it was a little. It was a little more thought out than that, but 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we have two more interviews and then you're going away. Actually, I think I can make the one on the 11th. You can't? I think I can with uh, Animal, Sound Animal. Uh, Actually, hers are both of hers are going to be on the 18th. We're going to do them in one day. Well, fancy (laughs) pants. And we're going to rock that shit out. I mean, you're welcome. Uh, but- is that a Saturday? Uh-huh. Uh, I'll need to see about that. No, no worries. Uh, early in the fucking morning. So uh, early in. Uh, she's on the West Coast. That's right. And th- these people, these folks are in Europe. <laughs> like buckshot. Boo. Everywhere. I'm just going to get up and have coffee and a pop tart and chew silently and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm really I'm, actually it's gonna be some cool interviews so i i didn't know that i didn't know you changed your uh beverage habits based off of when you're doing the yes. podcast i figured yes. it was always alcohol no 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 coffee in the morning tea if you don't feel good theraflu in between depending on where we are in life Just let me know when Dave is on. This is connecting to audio. Dave, Dave, Dave. Live. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. So thank you for uh, agreeing to do this against your better judgment. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Funny. Yeah, no problem. Let's just go ahead and go into this. Are you Canadian and why don't you have an accent? Well, let me tell you. eh? Let me get my toque on. (laughs) <laughs> I got to go get my toque and then we'll be good. Eh? Uh, I'm not sure. I've had a few people tell me I sound like an American. I think I hang out with a lot of Americans or something. I'm not really sure. And you don't have an accent to me. Like you're from Texas and I expected, you know, a little more twang. Well, I say y'all sometimes. Sometimes. My y'all pokes out a lot. A lot. It does. Yeah, I, I get the odd y'all. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll bring it out every once in a while and sprinkle it on, but you know, mostly I do a, what part of Canada? I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm actually very close to the border. I'm probably a five minute drive from Bellingham, Washington. So basically I've been checking out all your social media stuff. And for people that don't, for people that don't know, Dave is like dynamic. He's pretty much done everything that you can do. And we actually did a co-write once, and we may do it again. I don't know. He's sure. he hasn't yeah. contacted me in so long that I uh, I kind of thought you know he didn't like me or whatever. <laughs> no, so so Dave, you are like super dynamic, and one of the things that I thought was real interesting about you is you're an award-winning songwriter. You're like the greatest songwriter Canada has ever had. What does that feel like? Well, it feels great. You know, let me just polish up my halo here, and I'll tell you some more. <laughs> um, I've been lucky and won a few awards and stuff, but uh, far from being the greatest songwriter, that would probably be Leonard Cohen or oh yeah, maybe oh. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot or uh, there's there's such hacks. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, some of the Canadian guys for sure. So yeah. what what have you gotten awards for? Because you've got more than one. Um, I have to think about it. I won um, uh, BC BC Songwriting Magazine Award, where I got to go to some oh songwriting camps and had a gig at a festival, a big festival up north here. I've won an award um, 
for um, the Canadian Country Music Awards for up and coming songwriter. That is so cool. Yeah. So I got to, uh, you know, what was nerve wracking though? You win that. And so then you get, you get to play a gig in front of 500 industry professionals and songwriters and musicians. No pressure. No pressure at all. No pressure. It's fine. Yeah. So that was an interesting, uh, you know what? I just, I'm at the point in my life. I really don't care what people think. So I was just up there goofing off, you know, inviting everybody to my uh, gig at the local Legion, you know, stuff. Okay. Cool. So the country music award rising artists was probably your biggest deal, huh? Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. People, I, I was surprised I had people ask for my autograph, which was like, who, who me? <laughs> You're like, really? Did they ask for your social security, social security yeah, number? Too? I think they were just trying to get my signatures because to get, there you me, go. Credit. get free, free tacos or whatever. Uh, what, what song was that for that you got the award? Oh, geez. Oh, it was song. I don't think I sent it to you. It was called uh, Couldn't Let Go. And I don't, it's never been released uh, officially it's um how did you get an award for a song that's never been released they asked for songs and i submitted and i submitted that one and it won and uh i, I have no further explanation for that i think i you know to be honest I, I i was associated with some people who were let's say just connected i was a, mean i was ma- mafia type people yeah <laughs> they were they, they one of my friends has had several top 10 hits in Canada of country music. Um, so I have a feeling he put a word in for me. Let's put yeah. it that way. So can, so can you like name names? You're being so like, uh, so yeah. mysterious. I mean, it, it's all Canadian people. So some of them might know. There's a guy named Dan Swimmer who's uh, one of the girls he's worked with is, um, her name's Madeline Merlot. Um, there's a guy up here named Jojo Mason. There's a guy with the number one song in Canada right now, um, TJ. His name's TJ. I knew him as a teenager. Anyway, he's written and produced with a lot of these guys. That's awesome. A lot of people who've had hits in Canada. And he's also had cuts with uh, Billy Currington. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I had a cut with Billy Currington. So do you think that the Canadian music uh, industry is different than the one here? Or does it run Um, kind of the same? I mean, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the U.S. Country music is a small world up here. Like, I can go, it's like Nashville, you know? Nashville's a small world. You can hang out, not hang out, but you can bump. I've bumped into people in Nashville, you know. But, um, what's his name? Vince Gill or a couple of others. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's like that here. You can rub shoulders with, you know, you can hang out with people who've had number one songs in Canada. Canadian guys. It's not hard to to sort of hang out with them a little bit. That's cool. I've never met anyone or hung out with anyone. So that's. Who's the most famous person? I'm not, I, I mean, he's name dropped Billy. But the most okay. most famous guy that I don't know with. I got to hang out with him for about an hour. Do you know who Tom Cochran is? Life is a highway. Yeah. 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 Anyway, he wrote he wrote that song. And I think did it Rascal Flatts covered it? Yep. They covered it in the 2000s. Yeah. But but didn't. Yeah. But it got released in the 90s. Yeah, he, he originally wrote that song. And um, he, he had a big 
uh, a hit in the States called Lunatic Fringe was a rock song. I don't yep. know if it's uh-huh. yeah, Lunatic Fringe. We all know you're out there. Interesting story about that song. He was recording it the night John Lennon got shot in New York oh. City. No way. Lunatic, Lunatic Fringe. I know you're out there. Crazy wow. story. That is anyway, very cool. I was at the Country Music Awards that year that I won the award, and I was hanging out in the lobby, and I saw Tom Cochran. I said, hey, Tom, can I get a ride to the airport? And he tried to shuffle me off. Well, it turns out that I am I was buddies with someone who used to play in a band with him a long time ago, and I just mentioned this guy's name. He said, come with us. So I got to ride to the airport with Tom Cochran, hang out with him for an hour, and uh yeah, it was cool. He's I, I was a huge fan. Like I had all his albums. I knew the names of all his songs. Mm-hmm. So he was like, wow, you really are a fan. So you were a dork and little overwhelming for him, huh? Um, You know what? I tried to stay quiet and in the back. It was hard. It was really hard. I actually hung out with his wife quite a bit and chatted with him some. But yeah, I was kind of dorky. I, I admit it. I haven't lost that characteristic either. <laughs> So what made you start playing music in the first place? You know, as a kid, I remember sitting on the floor and my mom had the radio on all the time. You know, I remember listening to classic country. My parents would party and they would have Johnny Cash on, you know, the Orange Blossom special and Mm -hmm. Loretta Lynn and the Beatles. My sisters had a Beatles fan club when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Like they even had a little clubhouse thingy and. And I used to, I got all my hand-me-down albums from my, I had tons of cousins and stuff. So I don't know, man. I just love music. You know, I, 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 there's something about a good song. It doesn't matter what genre it is. I just like a good song. It could be Celine Dion. It could be Metallica. It could be Taylor Swift. I just like a good song. And it wasn't like that when I was a teenager, of course. I was just wanting to listen to the heavy and hard rock. But the older I got, uh, yeah, I just like music. and. Um, Love singing, was singing before I played the guitar. I learned the guitar a little bit later in life. So let's go ahead and talk about one of your songs called The Difference. Um, no, when, I, yeah. when I first kicked it on, out of, out of the songs you sent us, this is probably the most, uh, I wouldn't say the most serious, but yeah. it was, it was probably a deep, uh, philosophical kind of. Yeah. Um, so, and it yeah. had a nice old country feel. Um, yeah. The old school sound really really old school yeah i did that on purpose for sure yeah Yeah. was it your idea to add the steel guitar at the intro it was all my idea yeah i I did not play that steel i had a guy that was just so good at it that i said you play it dude (laughs) the other thing i noticed was you highlighted the piano just before the final course and i thought that was really tasteful because it wasn't up front yeah, it was like really back in the background, and then you brought it up, and that really embellished the song for me. I, I, I tried to make it a whole tune. You know, I gotta put my influences out there. You know, Don Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dumb, broken hearts never mend. That was kind of one of the influences of the song. I wanted to just be laid back. I don't really write laid back songs like that. This this one was there. But I wanted to be laid back in that. That song was dedicated to a friend of mine and he's older. He's like 86 or 87, just one of the greatest guys I've ever met. And um, I knew that he would appreciate all those sounds. So I specifically made it that way for him, really. That's what I did. That's kind of sweet. Don't worry. We'll, yeah. just, we'll delete this part of the podcast. <laughs> no, it is really sweet. What is it about? It's about a friend of mine who's just a, a really 
a big influence on my life. He, uh, he's got, he's, he's the type of guy where you walk into his house and he will compliment you and tell you how great you are from the moment you walk into the moment you leave. And it's just almost, it's flustering almost, but it's, this is the type of person he is. It is it's rare. It's really rare. Working man, leather hands, character face like a road map. That soft look in your eyes. You were quick to laugh, quick to smile. You made a difference in my life. cup, coffee table, it's where you taught me how to be humble, when you cried, I cried too, there was never a better man than you, you made a difference in my life.
So you said uh, guitar came along later for you. When did you start playing? I didn't actually start playing till I was like early 20s. It was weird. I, it, it was the weirdest thing. Like when I was younger, I would be at a party and, you know, lubricated from alcohol and I'd be singing away the top of my lungs too much to the annoyance of everyone. <laughs> and um, I don't know, my early 20s, the funniest thing happened. I swear to God, I woke up one morning. I just shot up out of bed and said, I'm going to play the guitar. And, and that was it. I just bought a guitar and learned how to play it. Liking music, learning to play the guitar and being a songwriter. Those are all three different things. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, so tell me about the progression from, uh, you told how you moved from a listener to a player, but how did you get from being a player to a songwriter, an award-winning songwriter, the greatest <laughs> songwriter in Canada's history? Yeah, send me the check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always feel like I've had something to say. I'm a bit of a, I meditate on things, you know, not not like, mm, but I've always got something rolling around in my brain. If I hear something that's rolling around in my brain all the time, and my first songs, like when I, I don't know. I, you know what I did was uh, early in my guitar playing life, I bought a Beatles book and I wrote down every song, every lyric and every chord. So after a while, I got to go, oh, A goes with D. Oh, D goes with E. Oh, F sharp. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wrote down every lyric and every chord on top of there by hand. This is before you could go on the Internet and just punch it in and get it. I wrote it out by hand. So that's kind of where I got my chops from a little bit, I think. And I've always felt like I've had, I got stuff to say. It seems like you're kind of analytical to me. Okay. okay. You're process oriented because you just said, oh, well, I wrote down the lyrics and I wrote down the chord progressions over the lyrics. And that was how I was able to, it's, it's almost, uh, you're really analytical when it comes to that. It's, it's like a puzzle. It seems like, would you say it, that's true? Yeah, it can be with songwriting. You know what they say, right? Learn the rules and break them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the idea. It's just to absorb it all and then let it all go and then let it all come out naturally. Like this song I wrote, The Difference, it's a two chord, a three chord song. You know, that's what what it was called for. You know, I, I didn't need to put anything else in it. So. so let's talk about another song. Let's talk about uh, Hey There, Trainwreck. <laughs> yeah that's my which, favorite song which that is my favorite. by the way that is the best title yeah hey there train wreck this ain't your station yeah i love that song so i i knew that uh it sounds like a duet with another dude yes i know where eh? <laughs> another dude in another country <laughs> was was that planned we at the time we were going to put together a duo you know how these things happen. You do all these planning and with other people in music. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Anyway, we were planning on a duo. We thought, well, this is our first song. You know, I've got fans. The other fellow is Paul DeMarco, who's just like super fabulous. I thought that voice sounded familiar. Yeah. He's so super fabulously talented, this guy. And I just, I I, I can't even believe he's writing with me. But anyway, um, we thought he has fans, I have fans. We'd be good if both our voices were on it. It was more strategic than anything. So what's the song about? 
Hey there, train wreck. This ain't your station. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it again because you're so like good. a rubber check on a low budget vacation. So good. That was my fav- favorite line of that song. It wasn't nice to know you since the moment we met. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> I, that um, is awesome. That's kind of mean, though, dude. You're Canadian. It, you're supposed to be nice. It, it, it is pretty mean. I wrote the uh, verse. I had that verse for 10 years at least. Oh, wow. The one about um, the verse, um, I think you're a drama queen, a little part in every human being, but you got it a little bit worse. I can tell by the size of your purse. That's kind of kind of mean, I know. <laughs> it just seemed to, so I, I had the drama queen part and started writing with Paul, and then I just threw that in there, and, you know. So you had this and you just kind of threw it out. Did you have the melody in mind when you threw it out, or did you just throw words at Paul? I think I had some of the melody. I mean, to me, that just is classic. Hey there, train wreck. This ain't your station. Um, just rolls off the tongue. Uh, I, I think I had some of the melody, but Paul, when I'm writing with Paul, he's so good at it. I just let him do it. Every writing situation is different, but with Paul, I let him do a lot of that stuff with other people that I write with. I might take over more of that. I was going to ask you how you co- did co-writing. Never mind. <laughs> well, it, it, it comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. Um, sometimes people show up with a track mm-hmm. and I'll, you know what? I've found over the years that my, my strongest point is actually my ideas. Like, so that was my idea, train wreck. So I try to go with my strengths, but I also see myself as a team player. Like I always say the song is king. It doesn't matter what I think, doesn't matter. The, the song is king. We try to, the people that I wrote with best, they try to put their egos aside and do whatever's best for this song. Hey there, train wreck, this ain't your station. Hey there, train wreck, this ain't your station.
what's your writing process like when you're writing solo? Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> it's kind of like, I'll say to my, I'll say to my wife, you know what? I feel a song coming. There's a song coming on. I can feel it. <laughs> it's kind of like having to sneeze or something. That's here it comes, here it comes. Yeah. I'll just sit down with a guitar and it comes out and I'll, I'll rewrite it and I'll, you know, but initially I try not to stop it and just let it flow and then maybe go back and like this song, the difference, the opening line was working man, mother hands. And, um, I had a different line and it, it wasn't very complimentary. I think it was like old and worn wrinkled hands or something. That's what I wrote. And I thought, Oh, well, this is not going to work. I, so I, that first line I changed to try to make it a little more complimentary to the fellow I was playing it for. So. Cool. So has he heard the song that you wrote for him? Yeah, he, 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 he loves it. He, he cries when he hears it. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 he's a, he's a crier. He's an unabashed crier. Yeah. He, he's not, he wasn't a wimp either. You know, he's a tough guy. You can tell by looking at him, his nose has been popped a few times. Very cool. Very cool. So what else are you doing? Um, I know that. So basically you're also a producer. Yes. And you're a guitar player. Do you play any other instruments? Um, well, bass. Played a lot of bass. I'm actually, I've got a, you can't see it, but I've got a keyboard right in front of me here and play a little bit of that. I play uh, some, I've got Hammond organ sounds on this thing. So Paul, on Paul's songs, I've probably played on five or six uh, songs of his uh, or ours. Um, I played some Hammond organ on that. Oh, a little bit of mandolin. That's about it. Well, that's a lot. That's plenty. Yeah, I actually, I played, I play, I can keep a beat on a drum. You know, on a drum kit, I can, if nobody can play the drums, put me on and I'll be good for a couple of songs. And then you'll be like, okay, let's get someone else. <laughs> that, yeah, we heard that already. Okay, time to move on. It's, it's funny how a rhythm can make a difference in a song because a lot of times you can write a song and have it ready to go. And then when you, you pretty much know, kind of know what's going to happen when you introduce the guitarist and the bass player. But then when you put in the drummer, that can totally rearrange your song, um, especially if you do it in a live setting. You know, that's what I've Absolutely. With. One of my dreams, and I, I actually had this happen, well, close to it. One of my dreams is to have the whole band in the room and record that. You know what I mean? Everybody's on headphones and just, just one jamming take. it out. Yeah, and nice. uh, well, that'd be this, cool. This last um, couple of years ago, I went out to a guy had a studio on his farm, and we did that with a bass player and the drummer. And I tell you, the tracks turned out excellent. It was you could totally tell that groove feel between the bass player and the drummer just laid a solid foundation. It was awesome. Did y'all play to a click track when y'all did it? Sometimes we did, and sometimes we didn't. It's hard when you've got to edit and not have a click track we we would sometimes shut off the click in the middle of the song and just let it go from there mm. yeah but well, that sounds terrifying to me to do something live <laughs> i mean yeah. i play i play shows live but to actually uh, try to do something that i'm going to try to sell and market live i find that yeah. terrifying especially vocal wise because I like to craft my vocals. What about you? How do you manage your vocals when you do them? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we didn't actually use those vocals when I was doing it live because I sucked that day. Um, and that happens with vocals, right? I have to really work on my vocals. I will sing quite a bit. If I know I've got a vocal session, I will sing quite a bit. I'll do warm-ups and I'll try to find some sort of expressive song and that I really know well and I'll sing it along at the top of my lungs. And yeah, vocals are... Uh, most vocalists I know do not like the sound of their own voice. And we hear every little crack and every little inflection and uh, super analytical of my own vocals. Actually, last time, last two songs I recorded, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't record myself. I had to go to a buddy's place and just record it with him just to get out of my head. And because I felt like everything I was doing sucked. You know? Yeah, I can understand that because I know that when I've recorded, I rely on, I actually, I'll do all the instrumentation and then I will go to someone to help me with vocals just because uh, it's, it's, the vocals are like so far out there if you're writing that kind of song and it needs to be good because if it's bad, no one's going to hear what you have to say because they're just going to be like, that dude sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So I think yeah, yeah. it's good to I think it's good to have someone to bounce something off if you're not Celine Dion or you know Steve Perry or Paul DeMarco that bastard. But um, <laughs> yeah, he rips them off. That he just rips the vocals out. You know, if you look back on all the great songs and all the recordings, it's not just some guy sitting in a cave somewhere. He's got a team. He's got people helping him. Adele doesn't just come up with that stuff. I lowered her voice though. What was it like? when you heard your first song that you've written come out of your head and onto a cassette or CD mm. or something, what was that Gosh. like? That was so fabulous, man. That was awesome. And you probably, you guys probably know the feeling. I am. Um, this was back when I was getting CDs printed and, um, I was on my way to the place that did the CD replication. And I swear to God, there was a triple rainbow that day. Not a single, not a double, but a triple rainbow that day. I thought, wow, this is cool, man. And I remember picking up the CDs and I put it in my CD case, CD player in the truck. And just bawling like a little kid, <laughs> you know, hearing it come out of the speakers. Funny story. One of the first times I heard, I have a song called Bobby Orr. It's one of my old ones. And, uh, and the first time I was playing it, one of the first times I was playing, I was driving down the freeway and I happened to have a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in the front seat. Well, I'm all excited. I'm hearing my first song. It's this song on the radio, my CD player and I'm speeding. So, of course, I get pulled over. With Krispy Kremes? With Krispy Kreme donuts in the front. Yes. And I've got a big mouth. Yeah, I've got a big mouth. And, you know, the jokes had to come out and stuff. Uh, I offered him a Krispy Kreme. He didn't take it. And I did no. not get up for the speeding ticket. Damn it. That was the, I was really hoping he did. <laughs> yeah. So you said when you heard it, you cried. Can we talk about, like, the same thing happened to me when I heard, like, my first song? Yeah. Because it just, it, it blew me away. And for me, it was when I was playing it by myself, I could barely play when I recorded my first song. I wasn't a good singer, but everything I was hearing in my head, I was able to hear, you know, because you can't do your backup vocals while you're singing by yourself. 
you can't do the drums while you're playing your guitar. So what was it for you that just uh, got you real emotional? Well, I think, um, you know, I had been writing songs for a long time. And, and you know, I had well-meaning friends who said, Dave, these songs are great. We've got to record them. Well, you know, it's your buddy. And you go to try to record it. And it never really happens. It just never really came together. They, 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 they had good intentions and everything. But, I mean, they had kids and families and stuff. And it wasn't until I actually found a guy that I paid. That was his job to record my songs. So this was a long process. Many years of sort of trying and failing to record on my own and building computers and all this crap. And then finally getting to a guy who knew what he was doing, getting the songs together, mixing them. And uh, yeah, so it was a long process for sure. So for you, it was like crossing the finish line of a marathon or something. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. Yeah. And just um, a, a dream. I mean, you know, when you're sometimes I don't think we know what we have in our hands, like if you've got someone coming to you and they want to record a song and they're kind of new, they don't, they never recorded a song and you get that song recorded for them and it makes it sound decent. And it's like the realization of a dream and that's powerful, man. And so that's what it was like for me. I was realizing a dream and it was just very powerful. So as far as recording, what, you know, when you have a business and that's basically what you are, so you're you're kind of in the music bar business when you first start out because you're a live right. musician. So your right. job is to get people in there and get them to have a good time. But a lot of thing a lot, a lot of times people don't see the process of your evolution as far as um deciding what you want to do with the songs when you're in the studio. You know, how did you go about increasing the quality of your music. You talked a little bit about that, you know, I had friends do it and it was just kind of okay. And then I paid someone to do it. What was that process like? Cause your stuff now is like, like air you'll, you could hear it on the radio, you know, right. quality. It, it, it's competitive with, with other people's stuff. So how hard was it to get from that, get to that place, I guess is what I'm asking. And, and what all went into it? Well, I'd have to say the biggest part of it is going to Nashville and getting your ass kicked, getting your ass handed to you, man. Like when you go down there, you walk in the bar, the guitar players are smoking best guitar player you've ever seen in your life. You know, you go walk through the airport, the guy's singing in the lounge, just like, Oh, that guy's got pipes, man. So going down there and hanging out and going, you know what? I've got to step up my game. And um, just, having professionals listen to my songs and say, you know, Dave, this, is this, you know, you got to do this better and you got to do this better. And you know what? It broke my heart, man. I remember the first time I went down to Nashville, I came home like a dog with his tail between his legs. I couldn't write for about a year. My buddy who I used to hang out with said, Dave, you've forgotten how awesome you are. You know, I was just, a lot of people quit, but I don't know. I just kept on and kept on and started learning getting out of myself, you know, writing songs and, and making it not about me and my ego, making it about what's best for this song. So there's a process there for sure, man. Let's talk about the last song you sent us. Uh, the one that's on your shirt. Oh, uh, roller coon. Yes. I have to say, I love the guitar in that. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's some nice, nice that slide, slide guitar in that song. Cool. I, I thought the vocals on this song were like really awesome. I mean, because the vocals are kind of haunting at the yeah. same time. And this song, you know, uh, my next question is going to be, well, who are we talking about? Who is this Roly Coon? You know, but, yeah. but I thought the vocals were real haunting. And he held the notes long, you know, when he was singing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. That song, uh, Roly Coon, is uh, my uncle. And um, I don't want to get too much of a sad story, but he ended up being killed in um, back in the day. And uh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago, in the like 80s. But um, anyway, it was a, it, uh, somebody wrote me a note and said, Dave, I love that song. It's a musical epitaph mm. is what it is. So it's a, it's a tribute to my uncle who uh, grew up hard times at, uh, you know, the thing, the reason why those vocals are like that is because I felt it. I sang it and I felt it and I meant it. So, uh, yeah, that's why those vocals are like that. The song, um, like a lot of songs I've written, it started off, maybe the lyrics weren't as good as they are now. Um, I played it for people. I played it for music industry professionals. Um, and uh, they gave me some suggestions and I changed it up. The song actually came about, there's a lady named Mary Gaucher. I don't know if you know this name, Mary Gaucher. She's a songwriter. She's had cuts with Blake Shelton and I can't remember who else. Anyway, she had written a song about a hobo. I was at a songwriting camp where she was and she'd written a song about a hobo. And I kind of like, well, I got an uncle who's kind of a hobo. And so that was the sort of the seeds of how that song was written. And a lot of the music, I, I came up with the riffs and um, a lot of the music, influences again there's a band from canada called the tragically hip mm -hmm. and um a lot of the music sort of that's kind of the influence of that song
fire with a few tall boys and a, a whiskey chaser. And it's So where can my listeners find you? Well, I'm all over Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Spotify. It would be the biggest place to find me. Dave, uh, my, my, my last name is spelled funny. I, I, I don't know what to do about it, but Dave I mean, Stanley Dow. D-A-O-U-S-T. That's a French Canadian name right there. Do you have any upcoming shows? Are you playing out anywhere? Really? You know what? I don't know anybody with any upcoming shows right now up here. Yeah. We're, uh, we're still kind of masks and sanitizers and all the rest of it. We're, we're not too bad up here, but yeah, there's couldn't play a show if you broke in. So how's that? Uh, as far as your income goes, is your, is, is your live performance more income or is your producing more income or are your streams more income? What's what, how are you surviving, basically, is what I'm asking. Yeah, that's a good, really good question. <laughs> well, I, um, my uh, mother-in-law passed away. <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's the long and short of it. My I'm mother-in-law, it was, she, she, it was years ago she passed away, and she left us a little tiny bit of money. And then we bought a house, and then all of a sudden, housing market went kaboomy. So I sold it, and I'm living off that right now. I'm I'm glad that you're uh, you had that opportunity to do that. Yeah, it, it was cool. She was a hardworking lady, and yeah, we're still benefiting from that, so it's pretty cool. That is pretty, and I bet she's real happy with that too. Probably knowing that you know, yeah. hey, I passed, and now you know, Dave and his family are able to do this because of all my hard work. I think that's what any of us want when we pass. Sure, you for know, sure. We, we want to leave something behind other than our debt. And we want to make <laughs> our, our kids and family members that we love, we want to make their lives easier. The ones we don't, you know, anything, you know, whatever. Sorry, that was dark. <laughs> but <laughs> no, and but especially like as a parent, that's very accurate. Our jobs is to make it easier for them, not fucking keep them in the same cycle of horror. For sure. Yeah, that's all part of it, man, for sure. So. So Dave, what advice would you give an up and coming songwriter? I would say that you have to build up your songwriting scab. That's gross, isn't it? It sounds disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's really gross, but you know what? Got to be able to listen to constructive criticism, not mean stuff, but people that are well-meaning that are saying, Hey, look, man, uh, 
the song's just not cutting it, dude. And uh, you gotta, you want to run with the big dogs, uh, you better bring it up a notch. So you got to be able to take that stuff and not take it personal. And it's the hardest thing ever. And be able to process it and move on. And, you know, the thing about songwriting is keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. The songs get better. I'm sure you guys can attest. I've never, been, can. I've never been told that, but yeah, that's what I like. To do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask you are, you have memberships with certain yeah. songwriting entities. Is there one in specific that you would like to talk about where you put a lot of your work in and you've like actually benefited from being part of that songwriting group? Yeah. Songtown. With the world of the internet, you can join a, some sort of club every second day and give your money. Um, I've, I've been a member of different, different ones. And the one that just seemed to hold up the best is Songtown for me. Other people have other opinions. Uh, I like Songtown. I've known those guys for a long time. Uh, they've actually slept in my basement when they were, there was no hotels in Vancouver one weekend and I put them up. Holy cow. So what is Song, Songtown? Songtown is uh, created by a guy named Marty Dodson and Clay Mills. And they both have had, like, Marty's had number one hits with Billy Currington and uh, other bands. I can't remember all this. And, and Clay has had hits with uh, Darius Rucker and Diamond Rio. Uh, they're hit writers and they tell it like it is. That's their thing. They're not trying to sugarcoat it. They're, they tell you if your song sucks, um, they're going to tell you. So that's so what I appreciate about them. So how long does that take to for them to tell you that your song sucks? Like 10 <laughs> seconds or what? what's that process like? Because I'm guessing that now, because you're part of that group, you get feedback on what you do. And so can you talk a little bit about how they help you with that process? And then how do you use that to do something better? Yeah, that's a long process. Um, so first of all, I've, I've been with them live in songwriting camps. You know, where you're hanging out with them all day, having breakfast with them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, they don't actually tell you your song sucks. They don't actually use those words, <laughs> but they'll tell you what you need to work on. And, you know, as a as an artist, I'm like, sometimes <laughs> you take it the wrong way and it sounded like they said it sucked. Um but yeah, it's a really long process, man. You, you, you just have to write songs and write songs and write songs. And sooner or later, you're going to hit one and they're going to go, yeah, that's it, man. I'll, I'll write songs until I can't hold the pen up anymore. Going to keep writing, going to keep playing. I like people, hanging out with people. You know, the best part of songwriting with others is not the songs. It's the relationships you develop with the people that you're writing with. That's the really cool thing. And yeah, the side... Side benefit is, is we get these great songs. We have laughs. We, we laugh. We cry. We get to know each other's lives. It's pretty cool, man. It, cool. it is. It's fun. It's fun to do that. Um, I appreciate you taking this time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you no so problem. much.
Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Sound Pollution this week with Dave Doust, the award-winning songwriter. We want to thank him again for taking time out of his day to be on the show. We appreciate you. Also, make sure you're clicking those links below to show this artist some love. Click those links below to show Uncle Brent some love. And last but not least, the state that I am in was hit this week with some pretty severe weather, including tornadoes that ripped apart towns in western Kentucky. Sound pollution is safe. However, a lot of people were affected by this and a lot of loss is still being felt. There is a link below, a Facebook link to donate to help the families affected by the severe weather. If you have the means to do so, please donate. It would be appreciated. And remember to get out there, make some noise.